Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by. Hello, I am Isabel, and this is Agnes. And additionally, like I had hinted in last week's episode, we have an incredibly special guest joining us today, and we are very excited for. So go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rosalie Chang, and I voice Maylin Lee in Disney and Pixar's Turning Red. Yay! <laughs> Welcome! <laughs> we are so excited to have you here. So, for those of you who don't know, we actually uh, conducted an interview with her at Crunchyroll Expo, and it turns out that she is an incredibly big anime fan. And so, for that reason, we decided to ask her to join us for the Girl Taku, because what better podcast title for her to join as an anime fan? So, yeah. Uh, so without further ado, uh, the Girl Taku today will be about our favorite psychological anime. This particular topic is picked by Rosalie because she has informed us that psychological anime are one of her favorite genres that she's ever, um, or overall favorite genres in regards to anime. But what exactly is psychological as a genre? Well, uh, psychological tends to get paired with things like psychological thriller or psychological horror. But to put it plain and simple, it's basically stories that involve a lot of sort of, uh, I would say, mind games, as well as a deeper dive into the human psyche. And so, understandably, this is why psychological thriller and psychological horror is very effective on the psychological side. However, for this week, we are just specifically focusing on psychological anime as a whole. So thriller and horror and, you know, whichever psychological anime there is, I think Classroom of the Elite is an easy example to show for that. Um, they're all on the table for our discussion today. So with the genre description out of the way, I'm going to go ahead and move on to my favorite psychological anime because I am starting off the episode this week. So my first favorite psychological anime is specifically Promised Neverland season one, not counting <laughs> other seasons, but season one in particular. Okay, good. I'm getting some nods from the other girls. So. That's right. <laughs> season one is superior. That's all you need to watch. Yes. You don't, seriously, don't watch past it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, did it have a season two? I don't know. So, <laughs> but yes, uh, uh, Promise Neverland season one was one of my all-time favorite psychological anime. I know that the official tag for it is psychological horror, but I actually didn't find it that scary. And I'm saying as someone who like cannot watch horror because I'm a scaredy cat and I'm absolutely terrified at anything scary. But I definitely feel the psychological part of that anime a lot more. For one, I think the mind games and the strategizing that Emma and Ray and Norman have to play are genuinely heart, like, or what's the right word? Not heart-wrenching. Uh, what's the right word? Um, or generally, gen genuinely terrifying as well as uh, it feels like the risk is actually there. Like, if they really do mess up on any sort of, you know, strategy then their lives are literally over and I and I didn't know if they were going to uh if, if they were going to make it out to be completely honest I thought there was a chance that season one was going to 
end and continue at them trying to figure out how to get out of that orphanage per se. But it is also psychological because the antagonist and the protagonist are literally playing psychological games against each other, aside from just like sort of Sherlock, uh, Sherlocking out, Sherlocking each other. Uh, so one thing that um, the mom uh, is Isabel, but uh, Mama is what she's called. But the caretaker Isabel. Uh, oh, oh gosh, Isabel, oh, Isabel. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that's going to get a little confusing, but Promise Neverland, Isabel, not Art Isabel. Um, the one Who thing- knows? Maybe Art Isabel has a dark side. Ooh, oh. that's true. Isabel, do you feel that way? No. <laughs> she says very innocently. Okay. Innocently, no. Uh, but basically, Isabel does deal a very bad blow to Emma. You know what? I people who listen to Girl Talk who knows we talk about spoilers, so I'm just gonna have to give details in this regard. But at one point, Isabel does break Emma's leg, and that is a psychological play because seeing the strongest, like you know, um, emotionally, emotionally and physically strongest person who sort of step it up to be a leader of the kids and the group and trying to figure out a way to escape like forcing everyone to watch her like just break Emma's leg and Emma just screaming in mercy like that is a huge psychological and emotional hit to the other kids it's meant to purposefully make them feel hopeful I mean sorry hopeless and just give up and so uh, and obviously Emma's also playing her side of the game as well. She purposefully acts like she did give up. And especially when another character gets shipped off. This one I won't spoil. But another when another important character gets shipped off, uh, she, she was devastated. And she really did seem like she gave up. But in reality, she's also playing a very careful psychological game to trick um, Isabel from Promised Neverland. And so that sort of back and forth of not just logical, but emotional psychological play I just loved it. I loved it so much. And I think the tension was so real and well done. Obviously, that also has to do with the good direction of the show in regards to like even turning around a hallway can just be so like um, can just you just have to hold your breath because you're so scared as well as the music. But I but it's the thought that went behind those psychological games that I enjoyed it. I would rewatch Promise Neverland season one. I actually have rewatched scenes and episodes of Promise Neverland season one because I thought it was just so well done. And that is ultimately now one of my favorite ever psychological anime that has come out. So first question to you guys. Uh, did you guys watch Promise Neverland season one? <laughs> yeah, I definitely did. So I actually started watching it and then... And then I stopped watching it halfway through. And then I was at the airport on the way to do Turning Red Press. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to finish watching Promise Neverland because I, wow. I just need to finish something. And so <laughs> I was sitting in the airport watching it. And my mom, literally right when the finale ended, my mom's like, all right, we got to go. And it was just like... Oh. <laughs> I, I sat in the on the airplane airplane in a daze because it was like, wait, what? <laughs> but it was a really nice, satisfying ending. And my friends are big anime fans, and were like, don't watch season two. <laughs> and then that whole thing. But 
it was a really good anime, and I'm so glad I watched it. Which, actually, I started watching it because of a TikTok I saw, randomly. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> it was just, I haven't, I, I think it was just a girl talking about, oh, something about orphanage, and then turns out they're all being fed, and then that was sort of it, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll watch it, because I really like dark anime. I like just mm-hmm. really oddly dark anime. Like, I love... Uh, I'm not gonna, it's like the, what's the magical girl one where it's super dark? It's oh, like, Madoka! Uh, Madoka, Madoka, oh. Madoka it, Magica, yeah. Madoka. yeah. yeah. I, I just love mm-hmm. super, seemingly innocent, but actually really dark anime. Yeah, you, you've gone quite a ways from Maidsama, though, I gotta say, which... <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's you the genres are quite different from each other so yes your friends are good friends don't watch season two so gotcha i think you're yeah i think you would be happy with just where season one is um do you like philip that's like one of my favorite characters because i think he's or not philip phil because i think he's so cute so he's so cute i was like i just wanted to squeeze his little cheeks yeah yeah for sure Oh, man. But what about you, Isabel, Agnes? I know you guys were definitely not against season one, but what did you think about the psychological games as well? Yeah, for me, the psychological games, especially coming from Isabella as well, I thought she was extremely manipulative. And so I thought she would be, you know, the antagonist for most of the series. Mm -hmm. So it was surprising to me when we got her backstory and everything. And then at that point, she became kind of a character that I wasn't sure if I liked or not because I'm like, but we know her backstory now and things like that. And so that kind of threw me off. And then not only that, between the three main characters as well, just Emma, Ray, and Norman, I, I was wondering who's, you know, who's a snitch? Like, who's, is Ray actually, you know, with, with Isabella or what? Like, there's so many questions going on in my head. And I think that's one of the charms about season one is that you're always kept guessing on what's going to happen. And if these relationships are going to last at all, really. So yeah, which is why season two, we don't talk about. So I was wish hoping, I think that's what we hope for, for that to continue into season two, and it didn't. So those are my thoughts, though. <laughs> Agnes, did you want to, uh, did you want to uh, contribute anything? I- I'm like curious because I know you've always been a little pickier about it. So I am really curious. <laughs> Well, I mean, for one, I read the manga originally, so I was a manga reader instead of uh, an anime watcher for Promise Neverland. So I know everything behind the scenes and why season two is a disaster. <laughs> and so I'm just sitting here kind of nodding with everybody like, ah, yes, season one is good. Season two is bad. <laughs> um, but my thoughts, I think first impressions of season one, I actually didn't finish season one because I was like, okay, I basically know everything that's going to happen in season one. I'm not going to sit here and rewatch it because it's just going to spoil the mystery that way, unfortunately, for myself. But I do have to agree that the anime, at least Wit Studio, I think Wit Studio was the one that animated it, right? Uh, no, actually, it was Cloverworks. Cloverworks, yeah. there you go. That's right. It's Cloverworks is an offshoot of Wit or A1? A1, A1. Two, right? A1, nice. That's right. There you go. So I was really impressed with the amount of ambiance that mm, yeah. um, Cloverworks had. I was... A little bit skeptical because, you know, usually a lot of offshoots of these independent studios or organizations from the main like parent conglomerate don't always live up to their parent counterparts, and especially coming from A1 Pictures where you have like Sorta Online and Cute Girls Do Cute Things. You're like, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. You know, it's a dark psychological thriller kind of show that you feel like 
it's really difficult to capture as an ambience, especially because a lot of anime these days don't have that kind of ambience at all. The most that I can compare it to that is actually like genuinely scary or genuinely thought-provoking would be stuff from like the 80s and 90s, which don't really exist anymore in terms of content. So seeing Cloverworks actually be able to in- insert all that uh, ambience of mystery and intrigue and leaving you guessing, and then also that heart racing thriller was really nice heart racing that's what it was (laughs) the word was heart racing okay there you go (laughs) i'm still learning english guys so (laughs) (laughs) we learn something new every day uh oh sorry i'm sorry i interrupted sorry no no no, it's fine it's fine we i mean we have all these kinds of epiphanies everywhere on girl taku anyway so it's just a matter of time until one of us comes up with another word but quick question would you say the first arc was your favorite arc as a manga reader that is a very good question uh it's a tie for me as a manga reader it's a tie between the first arc and I think the third or fourth arc at uh, Gladys Pond. Oh, Goldie, Goldie Pond. Pond. Goldie I Pond. did hear that one was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Gold. Well, I mean, unfortunately, the anime never got to Goldie no, Pond. But Goldie no, Pond in was fact, they flew really over cool. It think, is what they did. So. Yeah, they, def- they, they definitely flew. Because Goldie Pond, I would say, is a combination of the first arc with the psychological, uh-huh. but throw in with strategy and tactics. Okay, got it. Because in Goldie Pond, for slight spoilers, but not super big spoilers you know how the kids eventually escape the orphanage they're now out in the quote-unquote demon world they have to survive goldie pond is the next place that minerva tells them to go to because that's supposedly their next hiding space but unfortunately at goldie pond there is a high-ranking demon that is now basically the overlord or the caretaker of that area and the children with some new allies that they find along the way have to figure out a way to combat against the demon while not like outwardly exposing themselves so i thought goldie pond was really interesting to watch from someone who really likes action but also from somebody who kind of like the like the the psychological thriller horror from the first arc okay got it Alrighty then well that is my first pick my second pick is actually an older anime it's weird because it doesn't feel old to me but then 10 years just go by just like that really quickly nowadays my second anime is shiki so I don't know. Um, oh, okay. Shiki. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. I've got someone who's seen it. Have you seen that one, Rosalie? <laughs> Not yet, but I've heard of it. Okay. Definitely okay. heard of it. So that anime came out in 2010. Officially, it's not tagged as a psychological. It tends to be tagged as mystery and horror. But I think the themes and sort of what the characters go through and their motivations and actions are very rooted in psychological aspects and psychology. For example, a big part of that anime is about mob mentality. And they do a really, really good job at showing the psychological effect of it and how everyone buys into the mob mentality and how it's easier and the people who don't buy into it are literally in danger for not buying into it and stuff it is genuinely to me a truly psychological anime even though it is officially considered horror and i and i and overall well i guess i should give a bit of a synopsis so basically um this is a vampire uh this is a vampire anime but essentially in this area of a small town, they, you know, it seems like there was like a vampire ick infection was discovered. And basically people would literally die 
and then come back to life. But instead of being zombies when they come back to life, essentially they come back to life as vampires. They like will turn to dust in the sun. Their skin turns pale. And basically they have like these super healing powers as well. They're not really themselves, but they still are. And there's just huge psychological aspects to the story. Like one scene that like almost everyone remember, it's probably, it's one of the most iconic scenes and it actually has like millions of views if you just look up that scene on YouTube. But one of the characters is a scientist and he was the one who officially like figured out a way to kill these vampires. But, um, but essentially, the way he figured it out was on a was on someone that he knows very, very well. And that person died. And then he realized was body was seemingly healing and coming back to life. And in his eyes, this person close to him who died is dead. This new person who rose in this new body, like a um, vampiric body, isn't the same person as the person that he was used to. But when the when the um, when the person wakes up as a vampire, they have all their memories. They have they know who the scientist is. They, they immediately like call the scientist by their name. And even their personality is exactly the same. But it's without question that this person had officially died, like heart stopped everything. The body changed and they came back to life. And so in the scientist's eyes, this is a specimen and a dangerous situation that he really needs to research and figure out what's going to happen or else the entire town is screwed and is going to get affected. And so to put it short, he, and as you probably already are guessing, Rosalie, from the way that you look, is he experimented on that person to figure out how to kill vampires. But it's a huge psychological question to be like, okay, if a person dies, but then they come back with everything intact, their memories, their personality, like it's almost nothing changed aside from the fact that their bodies have physically changed. Like, doesn't that mean they're still alive or are they just a brand new person? That's actually a very common psychological philosophy that Jap um, that the Japanese people invented called Swamp Man. And that's something that gets featured a lot in a lot of anime is if someone dies and that person who dies like is suddenly like formed in another body with the exact same look and the exact same personality, exact same relationship and everything. Are they still that original person or are they a new person now? And so, and that's essentially what it's asking when they talk about this. And obviously the scientist made a choice that it is a new person. That isn't the person that was close to him anymore. And then, so there's mob mentality. There's that philosophical and very psychological element to it. And it's just, and even like the characters themselves, there's that, there's like this intense need to survive. And so they start doing very scary and like, you know, very morally questionable things and it's a question of you know how much can you push the line in the term in the name of survival and stuff like that and so overall I just thought Shiki is just a brilliant brilliant piece of psychological anime very dark and heavy so um it's it's definitely one that I like needed to take a break after watching it but I think it was just masterfully done so yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess, did I pitch it well enough to you, Rosalie, since you haven't watched it yet? <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm definitely, it's definitely going on my watch list. I actually created a My Anime list <laughs> recently to, like, keep track of everything, because every, every time I, I say I watch anime, they're like, oh, what anime have you watched? And so now I got that. But I, I always love the, like, the, where it's really, the line between good and bad is mm -hmm. blurred. 
and you just you, it's it comes to a point where it's where it's just it's not really you're not really rooting for people for certain people but you're just sort of seeing what happens yes mm-hmm. yeah trying to figure it out for yourself Perfect. Well, um, I think Shiki is a perfect fit for you, but you know, Agnes, you've seen it, so let me know if you disagree with my assessment. <laughs> no, I think your assessment's pretty on point. I actually didn't finish most of Shiki, but I was more surprised that you were able to kind of go around the horror genre and be comfortable with watching it. So I kind of want to, because you already explained earlier that you don't like horror. We all know you don't like horror. How did you get around with like looking at the tags and seeing that it was horror and being like, okay, no, I still want to watch this. So actually it was because I saw a clip of it first and uh, the clip of it was like a Ah. mob moment. And I was like, this seems right along my alleyway. <laughs> like this is a- so you completely like ignored the t- you didn't even <laughs> look at the tags. You just jumped straight into. Yeah, it. Okay. basically, I I saw the clip and I'm like, ooh, ethical issues about like psychological mindsets and stuff. Side me up. And so, those two are face popping mi- because okay. they. Uh, a fun fact about me is I read psychological like papers, like actually papers written by psychologists for fun because I think psychology is very interesting so that's why those two are face palming each other at my reactions so yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much okay but that, that actually sounds pretty on brand with you that you're able to watch Shiki and like completely ignore the horror and the gore part because mm-hmm. like you said it clearly states on any website that you go on to to look at Shiki or even like my anime list, list it will say psychological and then horror <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah. And anytime you see horror, you're like, Oh yeah, nope, I'm booking it out of there. I'm like, yep, the close. Yeah, she books it. I'm the one that likes horror. She's the one that doesn't like horror. Yeah. Uh but those clips got me and I was just like, I love really wrong ethical situations that are real life as well. <laughs> so- <laughs> out of context, that sounds pretty bad. <laughs> you know, this is fine. I promise I am not a psychopath, guys. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that is my two picks for my favorite psychological anime. So now I pass the baton to you, Isabel. So take it away. <laughs> yeah. So the for my picks, the first one I picked, um, Agnes actually told us this at the end of our last podcast when we were talking, but it is Psychopaths. I really, really love that anime. And it's... To me, Psychopath's like a whole thing. It's, you know, it's got season one, two, three, and like four movies. And I have watched all of them. And my memory fades because I don't remember a lot of it, sadly. But I do really like watching at least some bits and parts of it. I even tried watching it like when I watched Psychopath season one. I loved it so much that I wanted to go back because they redid the series based on how popular it was and did hour length versions of each episode or just kind of like combined Mm. them all. And then did more based off of that. I tried watching the first episode and I was like, this is a little bit too much, sadly. Uh, (laughs) But overall, I think it had definitely just like the way the system was made um, in Psychopaths where you have uh, a number assigned to you. I think Japan was also obsessed with that where like if you walk into the train station, you'll get a crime coefficient. And if your number is under 100, you're an okay, normal human being. But if you're above 100... If you're over 300, you're basically a criminal and you deserve to be in jail or you will uh, get judged by the inspectors. And I, I really like the, um, at least the character, especially 
Akane, and as well as Kogami, and then his his counterpart Avi, uh, Makshima. Just kind of like those three together, um, and then obviously the war between Kogami and Makshima. I really cannot understand the like the philosophy and the words that they throw at each other when they like reference like books and things. I feel like Gracie, you would know more. Yeah, about I actually I do. do know them. <laughs> Of course you did. Nick made fun of me because Nick was like, yeah, only like nerds with no lives would know these things. And I'd be like, (laughs) (laughs) I can hear it in his voice too. And he kind of like, he thought it was pretentious and he was like, only pretentious people would know the references. And I'm just like, (laughs) I can already hear it. I think it's great you know the references, though, because I feel like if I did, then I would be like, oh my god, I know that, right? Like, something that I learned in school actually plays a part in this. Um, but yeah, so I was more invested in the world. I think it definitely sell- it's like sold to me because it's sci-fi and it's cyberpunk, so those are the other things that I really like. So Psychopaths All-in-One is something that's definitely, definitely to my taste, at least. Uh, and then, so that's kind of what drove drove me to watch the rest of the series as well as the uh, movies themselves. The movies themselves are more of standalones, so I do like their their focus on like the characters that you meet in season one. So you have the inspectors going on kind of like their individual missions or things that pop up. But I do feel like that psychological aspect might be missing. It becomes kind of more like a mystery. Um, but you're also kind of thinking, you know, what? why is this happening or why is this criminal thinking the way that they should be? And how does the civil system play into this like what do they how do they judge these people so i think you have that question because of that foundation you have in season one moving forward and i don't know i just feel like i just keep guessing on what's going to happen and how these characters are going to interact with each other all the time really Um, but yeah those are my thoughts on the show rosalie have you seen psychopaths at all i know it's like a huge beast to tackle Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, my uh, literally everyone I know has been telling me because they all know I like psychological and they're telling me to watch Psychopaths and I know the premise and all that. And so it's just another anime I got to watch my list because right now I have so many unfinished anime that I've been watching at the same time. What a mood. <laughs> I know. Yeah, with so many anime, like it's I, I also have like an unending list and then I'm always like, I'm going to watch it. It's not, and then you ask me two years later. I'm, I might have the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> it took me like two, three years for me to finish uh, Evangelion. So, we'll, and that's only twenty six episodes. But I, I'm definitely gonna start Cycle Pass. How many seasons is it? It's uh, three seasons in total. Uh, and then if you want to watch the movies, I don't think the movies are too important. But if you wanted to watch them, there's four movies. I in have total. a question for you. Did you watch the movies from after season three? with the new inspectors and stuff like that i don't think i did it yeah there are new movies so i was wondering if you knew about it really yeah (laughs) i did not know about that isabel you edit articles all day did you not see the news for it wow what a call news articles for me to edit oh my god Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Most of it's just isekai light novels. Uh, nah, 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 nah. Don't get isekais. me started on that rant. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, uh, and apparently a lot of stuff happens in there, and I, I just didn't watch because, uh, I don't know, after season one, they kind of lost me, so, uh, where at least season two lost me, and then season three, I was kind of lukewarm about it, so yeah. <laughs> 
about it. And Agnes, I think you also watched just season one for Psychopaths. Yes, that right? I or... just watched season one. Um, I do have plans to try to finish <laughs> season one and through most of the rest of the iterations just because I want to see how they eventually develop. But I know that you stated in a previous episode that season two is not that great. Uh, season three is definitely better. I do want to see that one Reddit post that someone had about they took two languages. They took the Japanese and the English and they spliced it together in one of the psychopaths films to kind of develop that feeling of uh, there is an international like psychopaths uh, concept that exists outside of Japan. So I really wanted to watch that spliced dub as well as illegal as it is. I do want to watch it a bit spliced to get that immersion into the psychopaths world. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I th- yeah, in one of the movies, I don't know if it's a couple of the movies, but when they go outside of Japan itself and seeing how the s- systems are there, and also it, it feels like a, at least one of them felt like kind of like a third world type of country and how they're, it, it felt like kind of like 86 for some reason with the military mm. and things like that. So yeah, I do recommend it. If it's, if it's in the movie, then yeah, definitely check that out. Okay, well, yeah, then that, that gives me more reason to check it out because 86 was really good. <laughs> Alrighty, so if that is your first pick, Isabel, what is your second pick? Yeah, my second pick, uh, it's a baseball anime. I don't know if any of you have seen this one, but it's called One Outs. Have you guys seen it or heard of it? I did not watch One Outs. I only know the title, but please tell us more about it because this is interesting because we're, we're, we're moving away from like, you know, dark you know, horror, psychological mystery, and then you're like, baseball! <laughs> you're like, it's totally, literally left field out of, in this regard. No, yeah. One else is very, very different, but it's it's short enough. It's like about 26 episodes. Um, it's actually by the same creator as Liar Game, so... Oh, mm-hmm. that makes a, okay, that puts a lot more context into it, because I was like, how do, how do we do a psychological game for baseball yeah. and it's by the author of liar game so that makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense yeah where liar game is obviously psychological because they play games and they're gambling for money or trying to get money out of it and also putting their lives at stake right um one else is definitely not where to that extent where they're putting their lives on the line but money is involved it's like gambling with baseball um so the basic premise of one else is that uh the main character or one of the main characters tokuchi he is a gambler at heart. He actually doesn't like baseball at all. So he's kind of in this underground uh, sports arena type thing where they throw pitches. And, it, you know, if you pitch, if you basically can get the batter out, you win money. And so Tokuchi has never, ever lost a game. Um, but then this professional baseball player, Kojima, he he basically was like, he basically stumbled upon this Um this game of one outs and he challenges Tokuchi like I'm a professional baseball I can totally hit your pitch right um but he doesn't well he loses the first one but he comes back a second time with the vengeance and he actually wins again to- against Tokuchi and the bet was that he was going to take Tokuchi's right arm right uh but he doesn't take his right arm he actually Tokuchi was actually willing to give it up because he's like okay you won you can take my arm uh so what really what Kojima really does is takes his right arm right arm right into joining his team <laughs> and his team is one of the bottom teams uh, at the tier so he basically tokuchi has to build up this team from the bottom and go up to the top to win championships and the way he does that is that he's he's basically the star pitcher of the team and he psychologically crushes everyone mentally on the opponent's team as well as his own team as well 
like one of the funniest uh, episodes I feel like is when um the other teams you'll realize the other opponents teams they'll like try to like um cheat really and Tokuchi's like if they're cheating you know we can play this way but we have to play by the rules and we can't get noticed <laughs> yeah spoken like a true gambler <laughs> <laughs> exactly so uh and one of the instances um even his the owner of the team is against him because the owner wants to win more money. They even start off a bet. Like, if you're going to join this team, for every out, um, for every out you wow. get, you're going to get five yen. <laughs> but, yeah. But every 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 run that uh, Tokuchi allows, then he then the owner will get 50 million. So... These are some high-stakes baseball, man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's so interesting. I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, is his pitch going to be good and how he's going to go against these other players and... Um, especially, and there's some funny scenes as well. There's this one player who is basically paid by his manager to like injure him. So between the pitcher and the batter. And so Tokuchi, he, he literally throws the bat at the pitcher and be like, oops, you know, my hand slipped since you threw that other pitch at me, you know? Um, and then, so you think that's it, but no, he does it a second time, just straight up throws the bat at the pitcher without not even caring about what the pitch was like. So I find that funny. So he basically tries to crush them like mentally in the game. And even he, he throws his teammates in for a loop with his crazy ideas to basically get what he wants. I I don't have anything to say because I haven't watched the anime, but it definitely sounds interesting if nothing else. So. <laughs> yeah, I think there are some parts where there's like a lot of narration because some it'll be like what he thinks and then the other person what they think. I think that's the only thing that kind of I'm like, okay, we can, can we get past this? Because they keep talking about, yeah, this is what I think. And that's what I think they think. And <laughs> it might be confusing, but yeah. Otherwise, I, I do recommend it. I think it, you don't have to like baseball to watch it. I, they don't really go over baseball rules that much. But if you're interested oh, in the crazy mind games that they play or just want to see Tokushi just beat everyone else. <laughs> well, I'm glad that Isabel chose one that really came out of left field. <laughs> so... Um... <laughs> I already made that joke earlier. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, alrighty then. So I think that goes to you. The baton goes to you now, Agnes. I'm going to guess you're not going to have any uh, gambling sports anime up your sleeve in regards to your favorite. Unfortunately, no, no. I am. I, that's not my niche. Unfortunately, that's Nico's niche. Actually, he really likes. Well, he likes the uh, the mahjong ones with the. Um, uh, what's the what's the really famous like mahjong manga where it, there's like a lot of betting and stuff like that? He oh. really likes that stuff. Like he talks about it a lot. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, I wonder if it has an anime, but I don't think it actually has an anime. I think there is an adaptation that's coming out soon, but I have to double check again. Um, but yes, unfortunately, uh, my picks are not baseball related or gambling related or like big mind games related. But mine is usually a psychological thriller. Uh, usually sometimes comes hand in hand with horror depends on what you watch um, but the first one that I'm going to highlight that I really liked for a long time that I told everybody to watch was ID Invaded um, and that's because I really love the idea of kind of like how we have on Netflix we have like criminal minds and stuff like that is like understanding how you know criminals do the things that they do the do the things that they do and how they execute their goals and how do they manipulate people into doing it. And ID Invaded goes into a really in-depth plot about a bunch of serial killers and also about um, 
a woman who's about to commit suicide as well. So I think that was really interesting how they do a deep dive. It reminds me a lot of that one movie that I always talk about that re- reminds me of ID Invaded. Um, what's what's the the movie called? Do you guys remember? I I talked red, about red it a line. lot. Oh, issue uh morally gray episode with the worlds no not that one <laughs> no that's uh, harmony no, <laughs> that's okay. harmony that's different um it's with oh god it's from two- oh um minority report there you go my brain is not working tonight it's really hot where i'm living right now um so id invader reminds me a lot of minority report which is a 2001 psychological thriller that was filmed in the u.s about trying to anticipate the um when a murder is about to happen using a codified kind of technological system and that you would have usually a police officer or like a detective who's on standby that would report for the minority would report onto these cases before the premeditated murder would happen and id invaded has a very similar concept where they have a kind of like a time machine or like a um um, a very highly advanced ai machine that would be able to predict premeditated murders and attempt to stop a person from actually carrying out that murder and ensuing peace but it turns out in id invaded a lot of that kind of technology is kind of a bit of a fallacy and that there's no real true way to predict and to prevent these murders from happening so i really like that part about id invaded and i also have a lot of favorite characters and seiyus in that show so i am heavily biased towards it overall i also really love the soundtrack um because it's done by somebody who is not natively japanese he's um I think he's from Russia, or he's from uh, one of the European nations, uh, he, and he came over to Japan to do work and created a really nice soundtrack for it. Have you heard of ID Invaded, Resolute? Oh yeah, I, I watched the first episode of ID Invaded, actually, and then school started, and my parents told me to focus on school a little bit. <laughs> but I really like the aspect of, I mean, especially in real life, it's like, all these crimes are happening in real life and it's like why what drives people to do that and i really yeah. like how this anime explores that because there can be a multitude of reason either um it's either they're not sane or they are perfectly sane and they had an actual motivation to do so so i think that's it was that's what drove me to originally watch it and it's currently on my on hold list on my anime list but I'm definitely gonna. I sh- oh gosh, I should pick up every single anime I haven't watched. I haven't finished yet, but <laughs> I'll get to it one day. Pace yourself. One pace day. yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm really uh, happy that the first episode didn't confuse you. I know a lot of people got confused by the first episode at first, and it. Uh, and I was. Uh, I watched it with a friend, so that's why both of us had the epiphany where we're like, oh, oh, this is what's going on in like the first episode. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, you got it right on the money and you, and there's a lot upcoming that I think you're going to really like, cause they get really creative at showing the worlds or the minds of the, of like yeah. the murderers and stuff like that. And it, it's really cool how they get connected to like their actual murders. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, it's a really nice way how anime is able to kind of visualize what a criminal's like mind would look like because you know you watch like a lot of like crime series and like criminal minds like on netflix but there's no real way to show kind of like a visual aspect to make you think like oh they are 
definitely not right in the head or make you sympathize for them you know usually in these like live action shows there's a lot like more dialogue and more interaction but you don't see like what is actually going on in their head it's like that one meme where it's like sometimes you wonder what is going on in their head (laughs) that's 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 me while watching id invaded that's a good one (laughs) yeah Alrighty. so if that's your first what do you have for your second pick my second pick is probably something that probably none of you guys have watched because you guys were not into the um, Fate series or into Type Moon stuff, which makes more sense. Um, but it would be the 11 movies of Garden of Sinners. 11? That is now available on... <laughs> There's 11? Uh, it's like 11? I think it's 11 published uh, based on the wiki list, but it's technically eight movies on Crunchyroll. Um, but Garden of Sinners, I think, was one of my gateway entries into really liking darker themed animes because it's the way that it's done by Ufotable is like a lot of dark lights, gloomy alleyways. It feels like a film noir when you're watching it. Um, And then it pairs up with a lot of supernatural elements and a lot of concepts and ideas that the original Takeuchi and Nasu came up with during their college years and would use Garden of Sinners as one of their first pilot series before Fate got really, really big. Um, but I'll explain the premise of Garden of Sinners because I don't think any of you guys watched it, right? At least all the eight movies. Okay. <laughs> eight movies is a lot. I actually spent like a good chunk of like two weeks in college binging all eight movies. I would literally get out of class, sit down during lunch or my breaks and try to watch as much of Garden of Sinners in each movie as I could. Um, but basically the the Garden of Sinners movies, the eight like movie compilation is an ad- adaptation of a Japanese light novel series by Kinokunasu. And the story is about a young, uh, a young high school, it starts off as a young high school student named um, uh, Michika, uh, uh, no, it's not Michika, Mikia, who encounters a classmate named Shiki. And Shiki is kind of a weird anomaly in their high school. Like she's very quiet. She's very reserved. She doesn't talk to people. And when he tries to get to know her, he realizes that there is something that is very strange about her. And so it turns out that her family is a um, is a family that somehow inherited a genetic disorder where every single person born in that family has a split personality. Whoa, okay. <laughs> and one, yeah. So it gets, it gets really dark, it's really weird. Um, and Shiki's split personality is distinctive where it's regular spell Shiki, so like lowercase Shiki, and then her alternative ego is Shiki that's capitalized in like all caps in the English language, but in Japanese it's actually two separate characters. Um, and at various points during the movie and throughout the rest of the timeline, the alter ego Shiki will talk to Mikia. They will basically dress the same, they will dress a little bit differently than the normal Shiki and adopt a very different personality. So it is like a true like personality disorder that you see between the two Shikis. And the alter ego is actually a serial murderer um, who goes around and kind of has like different claims, different biases and beliefs about killing. And the movie kind of delves into a very interesting concept about what's the difference between Uh, the Japanese word for killing and murder because they're very close and almost interchangeable but one of them carries intent while the other one is kind of like a 
carefree sort of notion. And throughout all of the the eight movies, they talk about what is the difference between what sets apart Shiki, like her alter ego, from a variety of other crime cases that they eventually have to solve as grown-ups of people who go out there and kill neat, um, unnecessarily to people who kill with a motive. So it's really interesting to watch that. And then the show is also heavily paired with Nasu's big concepts about magic, which is and supernatural, which is more leaning towards like the fate, the Tsukihime universe. I could probably have an entire episode to talk about it, but it's a little bit complicated. But basically, magic is also involved as well to kind of uh, motivate certain people to do the things that they do. So it's very interesting to watch them. And then at the very end of the movies, Mikia and Shiki kind of figure out a way to kind of merge. They, they kind of paint it very uh, beautifully or like artistically where it's like merging the two souls together but it's basically her two alter egos kind of coming together in a compromise to form a new soul or like a new identity which is now a more stable version of shiki so i thought it was a very interesting eight movies that i sat to watch through during college for two weeks i think it's funny how we were gasping at watching eight movies when it's like we can binge like a million anime episodes in one sitting. But yeah, then when you think yeah, of movies, it sounds longer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because like, we think of movies like, oh my gosh, it's like 90, 120 minutes long. That is like such a waste of my time. And then you're just like, nah, yeah, 120 minutes is nothing. Like, you guys could do it. It is not bad. If I could do it in two weeks, anybody could do it. It's not that long at all. And Ufotable, as we all know, has a very gorgeous animation style and the way that they do camera pannings and views and watching Shiki is already just an animation marvel for its time it was done in 2010 it was I think actually Ufotable's work on the fate universe or within Takeuchi's like uh not they call it the Nasuverse um which is all of the extended uh series and ideas that Kinoko Nasu had and Garden of Sinners was like the first tackle of Kinoko Nasu's work. So it's really interesting to see how a lot of the concepts from Garden of Sinners is eventually lifted into a lot of other Fate series or even a lot of other Ufotable series that we see today as well. Especially a lot of the camera angles, the panning and the dark and gloomy atmosphere and the glintering of lights. That is extraordinarily like Ufotable uh, signature. Have you dipped your toes in what is known as the fate universe rosalie out of curiosity because i refuse to is why i ask <laughs> i i i okay i was gonna get into fate and then i searched it up and i just i saw just how much there is and i'm like <laughs> i mean that being said i am into one piece and naruto and stuff and those yes shows. one piece one piece so <laughs> So it's weird for me to say that I don't, it's, I'm reluctant to go into fate, but at the same time, it's like, there's just, I guess the, at this point, because there's so much anime to consume where it's like, I gotta, I gotta pick what I want to spend my time watching. And so like, I I gotta be really engrossed with the premise and before I go into it. So I would say as somebody who was trapped in fate hell for like six, seven years, it may or may not be enough to watch. It may not may or may not be enough of a motivation to watch the Fate series. Mainly because 
most of the people who are fans of Fate aren't fans of the series itself, like the individual installments. They're more so engrossed with the idea of Kinokonasu's like overall universe and how everything connects. So if you're looking for a series that has like good cohesive ending, great character development, you ain't gonna find that in Fate, unfortunately. Uh, it is adapted from an Ergy light novel, an Ergy visual novel. If that's any indication of how well character development is actually in an Ergy light uh visual novel so i don't recommend it if you plan to come in for like a fantastic time in an installment but if you're here for the ride of just like the general lore and kind of like seeing how nasu's brain is like i would say start out with garden of sinners because that is definitely more cohesive as eight movies versus fate is like sprawling with so many installments so many spin-offs and so many people trying to figure out like how can i put my creative spin on the fate universe kind of deal it's That's so confusing universe, my head so. hurt every time go. i try <laughs> like, don't worry about it don't even <laughs> i know i know yeah. i know i feel i feel really bad whenever i talk about it because i'm like i know that i am a very small minority that really liked fate and then got really jaded afterwards for it and so i'm in like that weird cross line of like i agree with the points that gracie has with talking about like how fate is like a big info dump a lot of stuff doesn't make sense and then i'm also half on the other side where i'm like kinoko nasu hype yeah (laughs) kind of thing and i can't let go of that you know i still have a lot of my favorite like husbandos and a lot of my favorite characters are still from the fate universe and i can't deny that let's just put it that way so I I am happily to say I am in rehab. <laughs> Excuse me. I stopped playing the mobile game like four years ago. Rehab for watching. So. <laughs> well, you'll, just if, one if you want, for that. If you want a bite-sized version of what fate is like, go look up Gigguk's guide on how to watch the fate series. Ah, and then you'll realize that you'll hate yourself if you try to watch <laughs> the series now. Got you. Got you. But yeah, those are my two picks for psychological anime. Yeah, Garden of Sinners uh, sounds right up my alley when it comes to anime. So when I go to, I'm, yes. I mean, I'm going to go to Do college it. soon. I'm senior in high school right now, so I'll when I'm, I'll dedicate two weeks of my college life. Two weeks. To my <laughs> you, just you, shut you. the door, room and be like, no one bother me. <laughs> so, uh, you will find yourself surprisingly having a lot of time in college to do the things that you didn't have time to do in high school. <laughs> Got you. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, now it is time for Rosalie's turn to reveal her two favorite psychological animes. So take it away, Rosalie. What do you have for us? Absolutely. I mean, okay. Psychological. My favorite anime genres is psychological and uh, rom-coms. I know there are two opposite <laughs> of the spectrum. I know that's... <laughs> but they are. They just... I mean, I watch a psychological anime, need a break, watch a rom-com. It's, it's, it's a great system. That's a system. So, I thought about it, and there's so many, like, Kakiguri, Death Note, but the ultimate uh, psychological anime that is actually my favorite movie of all time, which is Perfect Blue. Oh! Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Absolute classic, yeah. I love everyone's reactions. (laughs) That's, everyone reacts the same way every time I mention that Perfect Blue is my favorite movie. So Perfect Blue is about Mima, who's a, she starts off as a J-pop idol, but eventually wants to become an actress, so she leaves J-pop. And but much and she gets a movie role, but it's a pretty small one. 
but eventually she, her manager is able to her agents able to convince them to give her a bigger part but the bigger part includes quite racy scenes if if that's like the light way to put it and so her manager is very adamant on her not going that route at all but she really but Mima really wants to be an actress so she goes for it anyways and throughout the film uh there's a stalk she also has a stalker a really creepy stalker and and um throughout the film she's going in and out of reality where a scene would happen and then she'll wake up but she'll wake up multiple times to the point where as a viewer you're thinking oh was that real did that actually happen and then as she's filming the scene versus real versus in her day-to-day -day life it starts to get blurred where it almost feels like it's happening to her and i think what i really love about this is that everything is really blurry yet really clear at the same time in that you it starts off as you think you you know what's going on in the scene but then a few minutes later you're like wait did that actually happen or not and then eventually um is you start to discover what actually happens and it's this shocking thing where the person you least suspect is the perpetrator and i don't know if i can give spoilers on this but if you want to go, go ahead, ahead. Right. we've been so, giving spoilers <laughs> perfect so it turns out it's her manager who has been giving her medication which is giving her psychosis and it's because that she herself was a j-pop idol but then but then eventually she had to quit and then she's been sort of living her life through Mima's eyes and so Mima corrupting her uh image uh, feels like she uh the manager I think her name's Rumi corrupting her own image and then it's sort of you sort of it doesn't really make it clear why she's doing all this but after watching it a few times you start to realize it and then it starts to make sense and Actually, I remember in the last scene where um, Mima visits Rumi in the, the psych ward, she comes out and sits in the car and then breaks the fourth wall. And I only recently found out this, but it's actually Rumi's voice actor saying that line. And I think that just sort of brings a whole new level of who is this? Who is, is this actually Mima right now? Or is it still Rumi? And it's just such a fitting ending to such a... Uh, interesting movie that makes you question reality. Yeah, no, uh, I you went right for the neck on this. Uh, I think I think it would be hard to argue of anything wrong with Perfect Blue as a psychological anime. Like God, that it's it's really just a masterpiece in filmmaking. Like it, I have very little to say because it portrays so many things that it's obviously a commentary on, on you know entertainment industries in Japan especially for that time period that it came out in while mixing that sort of psychological like wooziness like it, it's almost delirious you know when you're watching it at first and it's so beautiful and incredible and I really liked what you said about how it's very clear but not at the same time like that's exactly the best way to describe it it's it's wonderful so um I get like 
you picking that is almost like too perfect in my mind. Like I'm so, I like, I'm like kind of ashamed that neither, like neither of us even thought of it, but this is what I get at least for watching too much anime in a year. So uh, I, but at the same time, it's like the perfect way to almost like end the podcast is we go from a lot more mainstream type of stuff that we've been seeing in the past, like several years. And then we end it with like the, hallmark the number one in psychological anime as a film exactly and i think something that's really cool about perfect blue is that you mentioned earlier rosalie like you had to watch it like several times to like fully piece together the whole story and even then you feel like you're only barely scratching the surface which i feel like psychological films and anime should be is that it's not just one big mystery where like you like there's a lot of twists and turns and then there's an ending but it's supposed to imply so many deeper levels that you aren't really aware of um, because that's what the human psyche is all about it's multiple levels of immersion that you really don't know what is truth or fiction anymore yeah uh definitely i it's the movie is like so good that i dislike it because it made me <laughs> feel like i was dreaming I hate it when I'm like, I can't trust anything. Oh. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel that way too sometimes. Like, if I dream and I wake up, I'm like, did I do that or did I not do that? You know, I hate second-guessing myself. And towards the end of that movie, that's literally what you're doing is second-guessing yourself. Is that meme or not? And so, I, and then at that point, I think when when she keeps, you know, sleeping and waking up, I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait for the end. <laughs> I'm just going to wait for the end to explain this all to me. So, definitely that shocker at the end when it was her manager, I was like, okay. That makes sense. And then I'm in the middle of watching it, you know, I'm trying to piece together what the heck happens in the previous scenes. Like, was she there? Was she not there? The biggest indicator was the fish, obviously. So the fish in the fish tank that were alive. And I was like, yeah, all right, this this reality, right? Like this. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I have a question for you, Rosalie, is uh, for this yeah. uh, sh- for this movie in particular and as someone as you who have been slightly, or I guess not even slightly, really, because you're, uh, but being involved in the entertainment industry itself, I don't, I don't know how long you've been in it, admittedly, and so, um, but did that side of the scary parts of the entertainment industry that this movie showed, like, scared you at any point, or made you think about sort of like, you know, what you're go- go- getting into as someone who's, you know, voiced the protagonist for this huge Pixar movie? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I would say I'm not at that level where people are recognizing me off the street. Someone recognized me off TikTok, which was really odd. And I felt like, oh, shoot, am I a TikToker now? It's okay. But <laughs> it's it's interesting because um, I'm, I'm a big K-pop fan and I hear all the time about these stalkers. And even in Hollywood, too, of course. But it's just, I feel like the Perfect Blue was made in, what, the 80s? Yeah, it was... Yeah, 80s, 90s, yep. 80s, yeah. yeah, and then, and for it to become even more relevant today, just speaks to how Satoshi Kone is a genius, and how I mean, Hollywood, Hollywood movies themselves have taken let's let's put it lightly inspiration <laughs> off of <laughs> Satoshi Kone's work, but I think the fact that. Um, it doesn't it doesn't personally scare me because I'm not at that level yet, but I've definitely thought about it and the fact that it, that it turns out to be someone who's close to her and that someone she sh- was supposed to be able to trust just makes it even more um uh I guess heartfelt because 
I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've had my share of family drama and I could definitely see that happening to me if I were to reach that level. But I think that's that gives perfect blue, even though it does seem kind of unrealistic with all the colorful scenes and uh, dramatic, um, dramatic, how do I say it, backgrounds. It, there's a definite sense of realism, which makes it, which gives it that extra level of scariness. Got it. Well, thank you for answering that. I was just so curious about it. Um, alrighty then. So is there another anime you would like to feature before we round off the episode today in regards to psychological anime? Yeah, sure. This one's not exactly, uh, your traditional dark psychological anime, but it does have elements of psychology in it. And it's something that I deeply relate to. It's Kaguya-sama Love is ah! <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I was like, wait, because you were like, I love psychological, but I also love rom-com. And I'm like, I just love like her. Okay, so like, it was two things. With her hands, like, in that moment. <laughs> I was like, it has to be Kaguya. Well, it was going to be two things, right? Because you talked about Perfect Blue. And I'm like, she's going to either talk about Perfect Blue and then talk about Kaguya-sama. Or she's going to just be a huge Satoshi Kon fan. And she's going to mention Paprika. Oh. It was one of the two. I was like, okay, it's going to be one of those two. And I think this is, yeah. Kaguya, let's just talk about Kaguya-sama Loves War. Just to lighten things up a little bit. After talking about realism and stalkers and all that. But as a high schooler, um, Kaguya-sama Loves War, I thought of it as one of those like very outrageous comedies that anime is known for, but, um, well, Kagasama Love is War is about two high schoolers in the most elite high school in Japan wh- who are perfect for each other, everyone ships them, and they do like each other, but confessing is a sign of weakness, so neither can do it. Kaguya, she's the, she comes from the rich, she's the rich heiress, and if only Shogani, the male protagonist, was able to re- uh, unleash his love for her, then maybe she would consider dating him. But um, from Shogani's unleash. side, he's, he, <laughs> he comes from he comes from more humble backgrounds, and he knows that making the rich heiress fall in love for him was the ultimate the ultimate goal and would mean that he's achieved everything he could possibly achieve in life. But at the core of it, these two incredibly smart individuals, one the president, the other the vice president, use just military tactics and psychological warfare to try to get the other person to confess their love. And I think as I continued watching it as a high schooler who obviously has crushes and all that, it's interesting the mindset of approaching someone and trying to uh, analyze every single move. Oh, do they actually like me? Is this a sign? And just seeing Kaguya, um, seeing Love is War take that to another level. Uh, because honestly, everything they're thinking is stuff that me as a high schooler think on a daily level. Maybe not in the military sense, but... maybe not that far but um seeing just at the end of the day these high schoolers not just dealing with um uh love and wanting to um confess to each other wanting to make the other person confess 
Um, but just seeing them deal with daily life and how these two people who come from different backgrounds but are in the same position at the school and the way the show um, is able to convey these emotions yet being such a hilarious comedy is why it resonates so deeply with me. I think you're a little, uh, you know, insight on how their thought process or something that you feel really connected to is is really interesting and important because, uh, I mean, I really enjoyed Kaguya-sama. In fact, that's, like, one of my favorite, like, rom-coms out there. I think it's just so well done. Um, but I can't really say that I relate to those thoughts and those approaches anymore simply because, you know, I... It's weird because in my head, you know, being a teenager and being in high school isn't that far away. You know, it's like and I, I still have very clear memories of my high school life. And yet at the same time, I do feel this widening gap of understanding what my thought process was back then versus what my thought process was now. It's uh, and so psychogia sama for me when I I don't really relate to those thoughts anymore but I love them. You know, I love the dialogue. I think they're really well done. They're genuinely like comedic and great and really well written, but it's not something that I would be able to say that I relate to. And you talking about how obviously not to the extreme that <laughs> those characters did, but you talking about how some of the actions they took and some of the things they consider are stuff that you have to consider about. I, I'm kind of like curious on, you know, if my high school self would have thought the same way, except you know, that I've distanced my, or I've grown and thus become more detached from that original line of thinking back in high school that I don't really know anymore. So I, uh, so that insight I thought was really, really important and it was really interesting for me. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mentioned how you don't relate to it because my dad was saying the same thing. Cause I was trying to get him into Kaguya. <laughs> yeah. Your dad <laughs> Obviously, my dad's already past that stage now, so he's like, "All right, I can see how." I, can I think see he's. He, I think he's like, like a chasm away now because. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's a few steps um, ahead right now, but um, uh, I tr he he definitely there's a lot of funny moments like when uh, the you know the fanny pack scene mm. where uh, K uh, K is trying to get. Um, Miyuki to uh, to dress cool so that he doesn't look like yes. an idiot and then he, she like gives him a fanny pack <laughs> and like he loved that scene a lot because obviously he doesn't have that that psychological warfare in that but I think when I first uh, showed it to him he says all right I can see how you a high schooler or how other people who haven't gotten to the stage of life <laughs> he is right now <laughs> he, um, uh, can um, uh, can sort of almost fantasize about it and um, think about how cool that is. But then with him, it's different in that I already went through this. <laughs> I'm done with I it. have to ask, does he connect with Yuki's dad instead? <laughs> he kind of does in a way. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. He won't admit it, but... <laughs> That's all part of the psychological warfare <laughs> to be a tsundere. Tsundere. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I love Kaguya-sama. I think it's such an interesting way to do a psychological anime, but it is. They're both trying to trick each other. I have to admit, sometimes they even get me good with how like far ahead they think about things and how they go about it. I'm yeah. like, oh, very clever. <laughs> 
obvious they should be more like, can you two just get together, please? Like, you two know you guys like each other, so please just hurry it up. <laughs> I think my favorite scene from Kaguya is when they're texting to each other about the fireworks scene. And No, not the fireworks scene. It's the texting scene, right? It's the texting scene where Kaguya learns what is how to leave somebody on red. And oh, when do you turn off your phone? I was sitting here. I was like, this isn't even like romantic, but this is like everyday psychological warfare with anybody that you don't want to reveal yourself as like desperately yeah. checking your messages, right? So I was sitting there. I remember seeing it in the, the Los Angeles, I think Aritani Theater uh, when it first aired the new season. We got, um, we got, uh, we got tickets to go see the newly aired season before it hit Crunchyroll. And I remember sitting there with our overlord, our boss, and a couple of our friends. And we're just like, oh my god. And we're like low-key cringing at the texting scene because that is what gets way too close to home. Even though I am, I am, am similar to Gracie, a little bit far removed from like the high school like crush level of trying to like maneuver around your crush. But that texting scene... I don't know how many times I do it in a day where I don't read somebody's text. I just kind of read the notification blurb and be like, mm, okay, going to pretend like I didn't see that. This is why Discord is superior because it doesn't tell you whether you read the text or not. I'm In my case, I'm Miyuki. <laughs> I'm the one who's stressed about my friend who did read it and didn't respond. Because it's like, instead, I'm the one who, so, I, so I'm basically like him where he's just like, what does it mean? Is she mad at me? <laughs> like, did I say something wrong? <laughs> Like, why is she even responding to me? So that's who I am in that situation. <laughs> uh, what situation? Uh, what? Which one are you, I guess, Rosalie? Are you the one who's, like, making sure the read receipt doesn't get set? Or are you the one wondering, like, why did they read you? And then they didn't respond back to you. <laughs> I'm more of the um, uh, careful about the read receipts. Especially, um, like, I, okay, on my, on my messages, I got my read receipts turned off. I, that's too, that's too scary for me. But Instagram, you obviously, you can't, you can't, I get a lot of DMs from Instagram from friends and coworkers and stuff. And it's always like, huh, when should I read it? And like, I have to, I'm really bad at responding. I'm not good at coming up with good response. So I would read, I would read like the, it would just like uh, show a part of it. And I will look at it. And I had I would have to think a long time before I know how to respond to it, and so that's that. And of course, sometimes the text is so long where, where um, I can't, where I have to actually click on it and read it. And then that's like I always have to prepare myself. Like, all right, ready? And then I read it and I read it. and I'm like, okay, okay, well, come on, come up with a response, come up with a response. <laughs> and it's just this whole ordeal that I have to go through every time I read a DM. <laughs> You know, sometimes this makes me wish that we were back in like Victorian eras where we just wrote long letters and it takes like weeks. No, to no, no, weeks no, to come no. Back that so you don't have to stress that about it. That would make me die. Okay, as someone who loves to talk. <laughs> 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 Um, Shauna, who's my best friend, I mentioned her a lot, but she once said, she was like, I feel like Gracie's past reincarnation was a town crier, which is the person who just goes around town ringing a bell and telling everyone the current drama that was going on in the town. And I didn't know what a town crier was until I watched a movie that was set in Victorian area where town criers existed. And I was like, oh my God, she is right. That is me. <laughs> You wouldn't be the the um 
like the the heiress of like a magnificent mansion who has like a heartfelt love to a poorly saved sailor in the British Navy. No, you're being tell no, cry. I'm the tell cry with that. <laughs> I'm gonna be reading that bell everywhere, being like, "There's an affair over in that family." <laughs> I'm probably the most hated and yet the most important person in that town. So the town wouldn't survive it's like without secretly, you. Secretly, yeah. Secretly, everyone knows that. Oh, it's it's so bad. She probably she shouldn't be doing it. Yet they look forward to it every day. I will have you know, my last apartment, that my bedroom area is a prime spot for people to break up, <laughs> and they always break up right outside my bedroom. And I listen in because I can hear them. And so sometimes when I can't hear very clearly, I like slink down next to the window so I can hear a little clearer. <laughs> anyway. The stories I have seen <laughs> that happen right outside my bedroom window. It's great. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about those. I remember you shared those and I was like, this is great. <laughs> is there just a sign right outside your bedroom window where it's like, if you want to break up, it's I, right I don't, here. There's right no sign, but I don't know why this keeps happening. And even my coworker friend, when he hang out, when he hung out at like, you know, at my apartment, one time he was like is there a couple breaking up? And I, and I listened. I was like, oh, yeah, there is one. <laughs> so, so it's just like a common place. I, I don't know why, but I just want to say I wasn't complaining. So, um, I wouldn't complain either. Agnes, don't judge me. I see you judging me. <laughs> no, you know as much as I do. It's like, although I am judging you at the same time, I'm like, ooh, gossip. Yes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alrighty then. Well, I think that sums up our episode for today. And, you know, despite having a whole extra person, we didn't go too uh, much over the time as I was expecting. We've actually gone longer. So this is not the longest episode, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, so I hope everyone enjoyed us listening to us talk about our psycho- our favorite psychological anime. And a big thank you for Rosalie for joining us today. It was very, very fun. I think people, or I'm guessing you guys listening have has had a fun time listening to her share her opinions and experiences with anime as well. So uh, for next week of Girl Taku, we will have another fun topic. So I hope you'll be here next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.